rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And before we dive in, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, send us a note. Info at gallerypodcast.com is the email. We love hearing from you, the listeners. So please, please, please send us an email. Info at gallerypodcast.com. Okay, Rachel, let's dive right in. We've got a lot to discuss this week. We're talking about Harry and Meghan in Vancouver and Whistler. You know that that trip kicked off right as we were winding down our episode last week. We've got William at the BAFTAs. That was so exciting to see the solo appearance, but mainly breaking news. If you missed it on Instagram, Roberta got engaged. Woo! <laughs> we need like sound effects right now. All the celebrations, Aww. all the champagne. This is a great segue to the royal refreshment, which yes. is champagne in your honor. Cheers. Oh, Cheers. you're so sweet. All the Cheers. bubbles. Roberta, we need to hear the whole story. And I also was thinking last night or this morning, my shower thoughts that I always tell you about is that we might need like a weekly segment that's just like, Roberta's engagement wedding Wedding planning planning. updates because I love this stuff and I'm so happy for you and Dave. Tell us the whole story. Oh, you're the sweetest. Thank you so much. Rachel texted me immediately and was like, oh my gosh. And it just, (laughs) it was incredible. So the Cliff Notes version is that we had gone and looked at rings in December. So I kind of had a feeling it was coming up, but didn't know when. And then it's like January passed and February and Valentine's Day. And so Saturday was always going to be the day that we just would celebrate Valentine's Day. So we were like, oh, let's get sushi and we'll go for drinks. And a couple of friends are in town, so we'll just ask them to join us. It's like a double date. So I get dressed up. We're heading to drinks. We're walking along. And Dave is like, let's stop in this little garden. It's called the 18th Century Garden. That's the official name. It's right by Carpenter's Hall, which is just like such a gorgeous area of Philly. Old red brick, beautiful old buildings. It's like where they sign the declaration. It's just so amazing. All the Independence Hall, it's all around there. And we walk in and there is these rose petals in a gazebo. And, you know, we got down on one knee. Our friend who's a photographer, like, jumped out of the bushes. It was <laughs> Please, let's, can we just detour to talk about the photographer? Because this made me laugh so hard. And it's a friend of yours. It is a friend of ours. And it's funny because I did not, this, our friend was wearing like a balaclava ski mask and all black and a hat pulled low. And so I didn't recognize him at all. And I was like, Dave, we cannot walk in this garden. This person is having a private moment. Like they're obviously like trying to avoid us. And he's like, no, 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 come on, come on. And I was like, we have to give them some space, like give them privacy. This might be dangerous. Like this does not feel sound. uh, Yes, exactly. I was dragging my heels and finally he's like, no. And then and then I kind of put two and two together, saw the rose petals and was like, "Okay." But the second surprise was that I just thought afterward, you know, we took a moment to ourselves to reflect, which was really sweet. Like after the photos, Dave was like, let's just sit on a bench and like it's a beautiful time. Just the two of you to like sort of marinate in that. Yeah. Moment. Well, you kind of also black out a little bit. Like, yes. I just, like, didn't remember anything he said. Like, he said this very sweet, like, couple sentences, and I was just sobbing. I mean, I don't remember anything that he said. And so we sat on a bench nearby and just kind of reflected, which was so nice. And then I thought, okay, so we're joining our two friends for a drink and then going to sushi, which is what the plan always was. And he was like, yep, you want to call your parents now? You can, you know, call your family later. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, let's let's savor it. And, like, between ourselves, we'll call them later. We walk in the bar and it's a surprise of my parents who flew from Florida all the way up, his whole family, our friends, friends that drove in from South Jersey, friends from Philly. So it was just 
I Dave, mean, if you are listening, well done. We well are just done. bowing down to you, all the Roros, myself included. We are just so excited for you guys. Oh my gosh. Dave did so, so, so well. And that was just round two of the sobbing. Like my mom ran out. It was just, oh. it was so much love. And Oh, it was wonderful. And it's so nice. And I'm not I'm trying to not think about wedding planning just yet. Just let it like savor it in. Well, I was gonna ask you which royal castle you're gonna choose to get. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny is Dave, we were like, England? Yes, right. Not really kidding though. Like I mean Okay, you know I'm on a plane in a hot second. (laughs) Well, we'll talk after this, Rachel. Oh my God. Well, congratulations. Just honestly, like (laughs) what a weekend. And I cannot tell you how much my heart swelled seeing those pictures. Credit to your friend that was dressed a little bit like, you know, (laughs) under the radar. He did a good job. You never know in Philly with people like standing by themselves. You don't want to bother anyone. So we're city gals. We got to keep our wits about us. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But you're so sweet. And I can't wait to see you next, which is in two weeks. Yes. And we had a wonderful dinner with our producer, Judy, on Thursday. We've had a lot of celebratory moments. February is that kind of vibe. I think it is. It's like sliding into spring and we have so much to look forward to and we will have a royal refreshment in person soon. So cannot wait for that. But cheers. Clink our champagne. (laughs) All right. Moving on to our lovely listener email from Brie. She said, hi, ladies. It's been such a media blitz since the last podcast. Brie wanted to offer her point of view on the Sussex.com relaunch since her background is actually in digital marketing. She writes, the tone of the UK media seems to be that Megan's accomplishment forward bio shows firsthand she's self-centered and God forbid ambitious. Women in particular, those of color, often find themselves discounted before even speaking, whether it's in the boardroom, the OR, etc. Putting titles first has always been something we emphasize to women when building their company sites. We're trained to include labels like wife or mother, while men showcase their past titles and experiences. Megan's team will have been well aware of the expected negative publicity around the relaunch and, as such, included that fourth paragraph that showcases several accomplishments Megan had before meeting Harry. A brilliant move from a professional point of view. She continues, she said, still holding out for a royal history feature this month that ties in with Black History Month as Megan broke so many barriers. Cheers. Cheers. Brie, what a good call out. This is Black History Month in the U.S., February is, but in the U.K. it's actually October, which the royals have honored in the past, specifically Megan's speech in June of 2020 when she talked about George Floyd, also their launch of the Black History Month Next Gen Trailblazers program. I don't know if you remember that. That was three years ago in October of 20, four years ago now, October 2020. Kate and Williams focused on the Windrush generation last October. They launched a big program around that. William was in a documentary for the Windrush generation. So it's definitely something that we think about Megan and the other royals so closely associated with, especially when it's in October in the UK, but also here in the US. Absolutely. I like Bree's point about the bio. And I, when I, I don't know if you felt this very, Rachel, but when I was reading it, never once did I think self-centered was a focus of these, either Megan or Harry's bios. I did think that the royalness of it all was what had us sort of scratching our heads. Yes, totally. The crest, the titles, the Archie and Lilibet. Of course, that's their right to use. But that was just something that I was a little bit surprised about. Yeah, absolutely. But it is. It's like her brand is well before Harry. So it makes Mm -hmm. so much sense to include that. And I I like this point of view from Brie. All right, moving on. This week in royal history, flashing back to a kind of, you could call it a little bit random moment, but February 25th, 
2011, this was 13 years ago, had to do the math, the newly engaged Kate and William visited their alma mater, St. Andrews. For the timeline, which I think you so beautifully gave in last week's episode, this was about two months to go until their April 29th wedding at Westminster Abbey. It was also their first official engagement in Scotland. I feel like the searing, most vivid memory for me is Kate's peplum red suit. It was a skirt suit. She had this sort of velvet black band. Do you remember this, Roberta? It's Those images are so striking. Oh, yes. Yes. And it's very Valentine's. To it me. is actually. Yeah. And she I mean, they just look so young and in love. I love that at the time the piece was credited as, quote, an item from Ms. Middleton's wardrobe. Mm. But she Kate later wore it again in 2014. And it was ID'd as a Luisa Spagnoli skirt suit. I'm not familiar with that designer too much, but I love this look. Yeah. The way that she accessorized with the black gloves and black clutch and ribbon, velvet ribbon belt. OK. Yeah. And she's wearing a black turtleneck, which LOL, both you and I are wearing, again, jointly yeah. dressing today. I Matching cannot get over how this happens virtually. It. it makes no sense. It's beyond for me. Anyways, both Kate and William were there to launch the university's 600th anniversary celebrations, wow. which William was patron of for that particular effort. St. Andrews also set up a 70,000-pound scholarship in honor of their wedding, and that was a part of their visit, too, which was talked about. While there, William and Kate took in a choir performance and watched a Royal Air Force fly pass while there. It was smaller than what we're used to with like the coronation and things like that. It was only three jets. William also gave a speech to 600 students and staff, but 3,000 royal well-wishers turned out to see them, standing five rows deep. I also thought this was fascinating. There was a tiny protest that took place. You know, you talk about how we, you know, we were so familiar with that going on as in the lead up to the coronation and around Mm -hmm. the king right now, but they kept yelling, abdicate. Kate, abdicate yeah. Kate, which I'm like, that does that even make sense? Was that people who had a crush on William? Is <laughs> that people who had copies of Tiger Beat with him on the cover? Like, yeah, oh, you, you what was or the- like, don't join this like monarchy? I don't know. I I'm, cu- I'm confused. I mean, it's very catchy. Abdicate Kate, but it's oh, little, but yeah, it's like ugh, just just so hard when she's not. She's just about to get married too. And I know it just shows like the longevity of these kind of anti monarchists. It's just always a part of the conversation. But anyways, I can't help but think of the crown here when I look at these images. How their courtship was portrayed. They dated, of course, while students there from 2001 to 2005. You know, we saw in the series their other relationships while students. The fashion show. There was just so much behind the scenes, obviously fictionalized, that we got of this time during, you know, when they were there. Also, Lucky 13, their anniversary is coming up in April. I can't believe that. I think about how much they've accomplished in 13 years and how much has changed when you think about their touring schools for George. And he'll be, you know, in a couple years going to possibly boarding school. I think there was a new report that they were looking at a totally different school in Oxford, St. Edward's, which is like affectionately nicknamed Ted's. So we'll have to see if that develops into a bigger story. But it's just 13 years and so, so much their family has grown. It's just but also shrunk. I mean, his brother, you know, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot of change. I know. I feel like I remember when it was their 10 year anniversary and they were, you know, we got all that content, the photo shoot, the video, all that stuff. I can't believe that was three years ago. Time is just an enigma to me. Anyways, a quick honorable mention, because the huge royal news that did happen this week in 1981, February 24th, Prince Charles and Lady Diana announced their engagement. We've certainly talked about that on previous in previous years on the podcast. But I, you know, honorable mention here. 
I feel very royal to share almost a date of engagement. <laughs> you Charles almost do. You almost do. It's a it's a love filled month. It makes sense. Dave planned it like that. No, <laughs> oh my God. was ch- checking the royal history books for it. I love it. All right, this week's Royal Rundown. So the first news item we have is the Sussexes in Vancouver and Whistler and Harry's ABC GMA interview. This all started to sort of ramp up when our last episode aired. And so a reminder, Harry and Megan attended the Invictus Games 2025 Vancouver Whistler training camp, a.k.a. the one-year-to-go countdown. It was for three days last week that they were there, including Valentine's Day. They had a little date night, it seemed like. A few highlights I wanted to go through quickly before we dive into the interview. Harry went skeleton sledding. We saw a lot of Megan fashion, which was really lovely. I personally am super obsessed with the Doe and Kensington coat and the name was not lost on me. What a nod. I know. Actually, great thing to kind of pause on for a second. That was such a funny tie and I feel like the clothing is so selective and I loved that sort of nod to the past. Again, a royal tie. And you know she has to think that people will take something away from that. You know that she's thought about that. Just so interesting. Also that Greta Constantine olive off the shoulder gown it was stunning there weren't official getty images from that moment so there's very few photos of her wearing that but that was when michael buble serenaded the couple from stage the designer i had to look this up is canadian greta constantine i haven't heard of her before but she's definitely now on my radar because what a gorgeous gorgeous dress I love that I mentioned that date night for Valentine's Day. Megan wore that red Laura Piano coat that we had seen her in in New York, but also carried a Valentino clutch. How appropriate, Valentino for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Yes, you're right. I didn't even think of that. I also missed this outfit with a white centilar coat. I know you have a centilar coat, Rachel, which is why I had to call this out to you. I do. That was my pandemic splurge. Click the link for me. Have you seen this before? I have. And she wore two. Oh, I totally missed this. It was two different centilar coats, too. Yes. Right. Which is amazing. one was also centilar. Yeah. Yeah. It's so stunning. They went out to dinner a couple of nights. This white coat was at an Indian restaurant in Vancouver. So they went there for dinner one night, too. And just Michael Buble and his wife. I mean, tell me about the song, because I know that you listened in full. I know. I am a huge fan. I had no idea that there was this sort of bromance that existed between Michael Buble and Prince Harry. And it really was on display, all the footage I saw from this. And I feel like this... You know, Michael Buble, as we've seen some of the footage, changed the lyrics to Frank Sinatra's My Way. You know, some of the lines, Megan calls him H, we call him Harry. Passions <laughs> flow. One thing we know is to stay the hell out of your way. Like, it was just so clever. I also feel like he went there with a little bit of politics. He said, no time for foolish games like Trump's please don't convict us games. There were just <gasps> so many <laughs> lyrics that kind of gave this purview into Harry's personality. I feel like we got to see... You know, a little bit of his political views, you know, the headspace he's in, how he's passionate and just his personality and the footage of it, too, was shot from behind Meghan and Harry. So you saw their reactions throughout, which was really fun. And then, yeah, watching it on stage, which was so, so fun. It's those moments where there's like an added element, like Meghan and Harry interacting with another celebrity like Michael Buble. That's just I feel like that's when the press just goes crazy. The press that was officially there with them was actually ABC News. And so they did an interview for Good Morning America with Will Reeves, who, side note, is so, so cute. I have to just say (laughs) it's like I can't look away from Will Reeves in the whole interview. I co-signed that. (laughs) But we did want to play some of it here. It is a 
pretty long snippet of it. It's about two minutes. Bear with us. But it does cover so much ground. And so I felt like we really needed to hear it all. So here's that moment. How did you get the news that the king was ill? Um, I spoke to him. And what did you do next? I jumped on a plane and, and went to go and see him as soon as I could. How was that visit for you emotionally? Um, look, I, 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 love, I love my family. The fact, that I was, the fact that I was able to get on a plane and go and see him and spend any time with him, I'm grateful for that. What's sort of your outlook on, on his health? That stays between me and him. An illness in the family can have a galvanizing or sort of reunifying effect for a family. Absolutely. Is that possible in this case? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I've, throughout all these families, I see it on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, the, again, the, the strength of the, of the family unit coming together. Just physically being in California, how have you processed the fact that there's so much happening back uh, with your family where you come from? I have my own family, right? So as we all do, yeah. right? So, um, you know, my family and my life in California is, is, is as it is. You know, I will, I've got you know, other trips planned um, that would take me through the UK or back to the UK. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll stop in and, and see my family as much as I can. That's my next question about your family. How's Harry the dad? How's what? How How's the Harry dad? the dad? I can't tell you. That's classified. Okay. You it's know, super, you know, top secret? It's top secret. Really? No, the kids, Making lunches. The kids, and... the kids are doing great. The kids are growing up like all kids do very, very fast. Um, they've both got an incredible sense of humor and, you know, make us laugh and keep us grounded every single day like most, most kids do. So, um, yeah, I'm just very grateful to be a dad. How are you enjoying your time living in the U.S.? It's amazing. I love every single day. Do you feel American? Uh, do I feel American? Um, no, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Would you I, think about becoming a citizen? It's, I have I have considered it. Yeah. 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 What would What would stop you from doing it? I have no idea. I, that's, I'm I'm here standing next to this with these guys. Yeah. And the American citizenship is <laughs> is a, is a thought that has crossed my mind, but certainly not something that's a high priority for me right now. Okay, like I mentioned, covers a lot of ground. I found myself at points feeling pretty awkward for the interviewer and like almost wanting to like look away a little bit because of how there's like a bit of a terseness to Harry. There's a bit of an edge to these questions. We know that, you know, Harry and Meghan have had a history with the press, but did you feel that, Rachel? I think Harry definitely obviously wants coverage of the Invictus Games, but it's like that quid pro quo, like they have to also give. And the questions, like if Will Reeves didn't ask those questions about what's going on that's royally tied, it would feel like, how come he didn't ask? And he would get flack for that. Yeah, pay for play. So I think that it's just a tricky situation and Harry is so brief, you know? So, so brief. I was really struck by some of his answers, though, especially Will Reeves asking, does this illness sort of have a reunifying, reuniting effect for you? And Harry's answer was yes. And then asking about his American life, his answer was it is what it is. It's almost like, is he making this sort of play to go back to the UK? He mentions even going back to the UK as much as he can in in another section. So this leads us perfectly into these headlines about Harry potentially coming back into the royal fold. There was a couple of stories, some in the Telegraph, some in the Daily Mirror, all about the possibility, and it seemed briefing from both sides, about Harry making a return to the royal family. What were your initial thoughts, Rachel? I mean, my initial thought was, I feel like we joked last week, you were like, is it the Clarence Summit? And then all the headlines kind of followed and they almost branded it that way. But I feel like I just 
keep thinking. The The line that is in my head is Charles, I think it's from Spare, where he says, boys, please don't make my final years a misery. And I think watching this headline volley of the last week where it was like we saw, I think it was in the Times, that a half in, half out model might be great, might work. And maybe that's something that could actually happen. And Charles and Harry are having all these conversations. But then we saw the mirror headlines that was like, very black and white, literally, no way back, according to William sources. So I think that this, you know, there's still just such a distance and the the conflict is really between William and Harry. And I don't know how you repair that. Yeah, I know. But it is, I think about how it is greater than William and Harry, too. I mean, think about how other senior working members of the royal family might feel like Princess Anne, Camilla, who Sophie, Edward, day in and day out are doing this work and probably feel similar to William that Harry decided to leave and you really can't have it both ways. I mean, this is all in the perspective that Harry actually wants to be back, which I don't know if I believe that's true. I know. And I do feel like I forgiveness is so complicated after what was spilled and revealed so directly from a royal source, Harry, that I don't know how you regain that trust. I feel like a lot more time needs to go by. And I sort of can see William's point of view there in just opening the doors, if that is what Harry wants, as you mentioned. But again, the headline volley and how the drama just really does overshadow. I have David Charter's final kind of statement in my head from the interview last week where he was like, you know, it really does feel like that's the focus around the monarchy. And it always has been to some extent. It's not like, you know, the Diana years were free of gossip and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. but it is so complicated when you have so much real work going on, too. And this is what supersedes all that. And from William's point of view and Charles's point of view, potentially anything they say or do toward Harry and Meghan could end up in the next memoir. And I think that they're probably that's top of mind in every single interaction they have. And that's why I if the reports are true that Harry didn't want Camilla in the room when he visited his father, that that's potentially why that he didn't want anything leaking from the meeting. And he wanted to speak to his father, who he had just learned had cancer alone. And so, you know, on the one hand, I think if Harry does want that, the new website branding makes a strong case that that's true, that they could see themselves as half in, half out, partly royal. There's no mention of Netflix. There's no mention of Spotify, unless I totally missed it. I I control F to the site. So I don't think I did. But On the other hand, it's like, what did they gain from leaving? They gained this independence and this beautiful life in California that I I think it would be very hard to give up. Well, and one final thought on that, too, is that the bigger, bigger picture, though, unfortunately, for whatever feelings are going on within the monarchy, the monarchy does need them. Like, I do think it would be a boon to the monarchy to get Meghan and Harry back in the fold in some capacity. But the... It's the family versus the firm, that argument. You know, how do you let go of all that has transpired over the last three years? And like wishful thinking, let's just say that they do come back to the royal fold and they are working royals again. Will it always be, I saw this somewhere and so I'm credit where credit is due, but the brothers grim, like, will they always just be at odds with each other? That would be so miserable for everyone. Yeah. Will it be sort of smoke and mirrors when we see them? Will we trust any sort of brotherly togetherness that's put on for the press or anything like that? I don't know. Exactly. And Megan doesn't want to sell her chickens. Come on. <laughs> the chicken would have to be relocated. That has to has to live on forever. 
<laughs> They'll take a ship over. Yes, yes. VIP travel. All right. Well, speaking of William. All right. Perfect segue. We keep saying that. We're like high-fiving ourselves. <laughs> but um, William at the BAFTAs. This was really exciting. The 77th annual BAFTAs. He stepped out solo at Royal Festival Hall. It was courted as a last-minute decision to attend. I thought he looked super dashing on the red Me carpet too. in this blue velvet tux, the bow tie. I also, I know we've seen a lot of William on green carpets for Earthshot, but I do think the red against the black and, you know, amongst all those celebs, he just looked very, very striking. Very Hollywood. Yes. He mingled with plenty of um, A-listers. Kate Blanchett was his seatmate at the event. David Beckham popped over to say hello. He saw Phoebe Diniver, Daphne from Bridgerton. That season three is coming out so soon. I can't wait. <laughs> and then there was the meme that broke the internet from the BAFTAs, poor William, but from Io Edebri. I just felt like this was so awkward. The background was that William apparently made a comment to the actress Mia McKenna-Bruce about her win for the film How to Have Sex. He said, I haven't watched your film. Looks like you had a lot of fun all the way through it. It's unfortunate because the film is really about consent and sexual assault. I did look up the video, and you can click that link if you haven't seen it, Roberta, but it is a much more congenial interaction. William is really talking to several members of that whole group there. I don't think it's that, you know, split-second image where I was making that face that isn't really visible at all in the film, you know, and that when you mm-hmm. see the footage from behind the scenes. But I do feel like it's unfortunate. He noted multiple times throughout the event, William did, that he hadn't watched many films. He's had a lot on his plate. Obviously, he's really under pressure, but it is kind of his job to be prepared. And he probably could have said a multitude of other things. Yeah, it's it's that moment where you just wish he had asked a question instead yes. of said anything at all about the film, especially if you haven't watched it. You could say like, I'm adding it to my list or anything, but not like looks like you had a lot of fun. Yeah. Have you seen the film Promising Young Woman? Yes, I have. Yeah, I love that it's movie. Like, it's like, oh, you must have had so much fun. It's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's and not the right It's not words. just Io's face. It's the other actress's face yes. with the ponytail that I was like, oh, no, she looks like she's about to cry. Yeah, it is It is a great meme. I will I will give credit. I feel like this year I just really missed Kate's absence, too. Yes. He, William remarked on that, saying that she does love the BAFTAs. And I, I, you know, I feel like on one hand I laugh because Kate was technically there. The fictional Kate, Meg Bellamy, was there. <laughs> I wonder if her and William cross paths. But I just feel like that fashion moment with Kate by his side. It's a huge headline-making event for them, and I'm sure that, you know, we all felt her absence. I wonder how she felt sitting at home watching it, you know, from her couch. But yeah, he just didn't see a lot of the films, and he said he made a list during the event. Oh my gosh, you're so right, though. If he had taken a photo with Meg Bellamy, what a stir that would have caused. Yeah, that would have been great. Think of Camilla and Emerald Fennel. That was so fun. All the crown cast. You need more pictures of him with them. More crossovers. actors. All right, more William news from the week. Briefly, I just wanted to touch on the Duchy of Cornwall plan to tackle homelessness. Um, William had talked about this last year, and following through, he had mentioned to the UK Times that he would put social housing on Duchy land, part of this five-year homewards project that he launched. He will be working with a designer and a developer to install 24 new homes on Cornwall land for people experiencing housing difficulties. And those are set to be completed in the fall of 2025. $4 million will be invested into this initial project. He also alluded at the BAFTAs in an interview that there is more to come as part of this plan. I think that the goal is really admirable. It's to give homeless the dignity that they deserve and a clear pathway to permanent housing. And this is the idea is that this will be a model that others can follow. I think it's a great start. You know, it's not going to solve all, but I think to have something that feels really homey and comfortable and not stigmatized. 
Yeah. And I think it feels very much like action and not just words, which I think the royals a lot of times can put out statements, but we see not so much action. But I think with William, this feels like a legacy project, just like Invictus is with Harry. And so homelessness is definitely one of the main tenets of his work leading up to him being on the throne one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we also got a very bold statement from William. He made a visit to the British Red Cross. He's definitely back to work, I would say. You know, I feel like he had that midterm, half-term break with the kids for a week, and it seems like he is out. We've seen, we're seeing him a lot twice now since the midterm break. But prior to this visit to the British Red Cross, he released a rare statement on the crisis in the Middle East and Gaza Strip. It's notably from William and not from William and Kate. I think this was interesting. Richard Palmer, who has a lot of insights that are credible about the monarchy, noted in on his Twitter account that it was reviewed by the Foreign Office before. So I do think we, you know, again, mentioning David Charter, the monarchy has a role reflecting government policy on contentious issues. I feel like this, as I mentioned, this was a very bold move from William. It was headline making. A lot of people talked about this in the papers. I wonder if it would have come from Charles had he not been going through treatment and sort of offline for a bit. But William did step up and speak on something that is a huge international issue and point of discussion right now. Yeah. And I I found it so interesting that, you know, it's only coming from William and not the entire royal family, but also that William has a couple visits lined up that coincide with this crisis, particularly one to a synagogue to hear more about anti-Semitism and threats against Jews. And so I know that there was, or at least what I saw, you know, of course, all the viral posts are like the anger and uproar, but I did see a kind of a lot of uproar in the British press about William's statement that it seemed to wade into political waters that they're really not supposed to wade into. But it to me, it didn't seem super political as much as just humanitarian crisis. Nobody wants the loss of human life. And so it was just lending support to everyone there. Yeah, I feel like it definitely was a move that he made and he inserted himself here. And I, I think it speaks to the soft power that the monarchy holds. Did it veer too political? I still feel like it was very careful in the word choice. But interesting to see. I mean, again, like we talk about the drama that goes on behind the scenes, but they have a real role to play and a voice in all that goes on internationally and politically. And even if it's that soft power. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Before we adjourn the royal pod, our highs and lows, my low, you touched on it, Rachel, just the absence of the Princess of Wales at the BAFTAs. I feel like the absence of a stunning gown, William's navy velvet tux would have looked so dapper next to something, and Kate's been really pushing the fashion game at the BAFTAs in years past with those black long gloves. I wanted to see more, more dressy fashion gowns from Kate. So, you know, we knew this was coming, but it did. Her absence felt so pronounced, especially when William said, you know, he's had a lot on his mind lately. I know. I know. I feel for him. Milo is echoing yours. I just miss Charles. I don't know if you saw the footage and pictures of him going to church again at Sandringham this past weekend in the downpouring rain. Like Mm. he really is working hard to stay visible, you know, be seen. Just I think that that is what the queen really always talked about, how important that is for a monarch. And even just traveling back to London for his treatment, he's, you know, you're people are seeing a clear view of him through the glass in the car. You know, it just I just miss him. I feel like I never thought I would be saying that so strongly, but I feel like the absence is 
for sure felt by both Kate and Charles. Not only the importance of being seen, but the importance of faith feels very in line with Queen Elizabeth II. And we yeah. know how strong her faith was. But Camilla with the dogs. How cute was that? Oh, my gosh. I know. The we didn't get that any dogs. credit here. Oh, my God. But we should. They were so sweet. And it was just all these hilarious moments that were so candid. With We get with a the, bonus high. Camilla oh, with the dogs. So cute. My high this week is just... All the Roros wishing us well post-engagement. Dave feels all the royal love by association. He was just like beaming at all of the well wishes. This community is just so incredible. And so thank you guys all so much. What a high. I mean, like, it's so big, <laughs> Roberta. This is such a huge moment. I'm so, so many excited comments we like, to talk the next about it here. royal wedding. So no pressure. No pressure. I mean, <laughs> that is brilliant. That is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. My high is also kind of love-filled, which is flashing back to Valentine's Day, Princess Eugenie's I Heart Jack shirt. I oh, my god, this was incredible. If anyone missed it on Instagram, she posted it to IG stories, but it was just a shirt that was covered with Jack's face. Like it was hideous, but also beautiful. Hideous. And I loved it. And I have to say, I actually went to a but Super gorgeous. Bowl party recently with a neighbor and the uh, husband and wife had the shirts that not like they. So this was ahead of seeing Eugenie's picture, but they had each bought each other shirts that had their faces emblazoned all over. And it was so funny. Like, I feel like it's a great gift and I never would think to do it, but it is super hilarious. I have so many questions from this photo. Like, where is she? It looks like she's at this, like, really fancy dinner that's like a dinner party. There's place settings behind her. But then uh, also, who got her this shirt? Did Jack? It's just it just opens up a can. Or did she just buy it for like as a joke and wore it on Valentine's Day? It's so good. I want to copy it. They do seem very in love, though. I like them as a couple. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. We would love, love, love a five-star review. If you have a few seconds after you're listening to this episode, please, please leave us one. This one is really wonderful. It's titled Fizzy Entertaining Pod. I wanted to leave you a well-deserved five stars because you guys rock. The crown auctioneer you had on recently was fascinating. Keep up the great work. Charlie Thomas was really wonderful. Yeah, we've had some great guests. More to come, too. You can go back and listen to that episode if you have a moment to hear all about the crown auction that went on earlier this month. Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode and follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast to keep up with all the royal news. Send us an email info at gallerypodcast.com. Until next week, God, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.